Welcome to the new 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week we seek to understand the practical truths of the Bible and how they can change our lives. And now, here's your podcast host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, welcome again to this episode of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. This is episode 143, and we are continuing, this is part two, of Should Christians Get Involved in Politics? I want to just start right off. Usually I try to slow pedal into the subject, but uh, <clears throat> as I stand before you today, uh, <clears throat> if uh, whenever you may be hearing this, you may be hearing this two years from now, uh, but as I stand here today at, in October of 2023, uh, just this week, a horrendous, cowardly, dastardly attack uh, was uh, perpetrated upon Israel by Hamas. And uh, even as I stand before you here today talking about should Christians get involved in politics, and it's a messy affair anytime we step in to the political realm, and we'll get to the biblical part of that in a minute. But even as I stand here today recording this podcast, I'm waiting to find out if the many friends that I have in Israel, some of them are still alive having been to most of the places in Israel through the years that I've had the privilege of traveling over there and, and knowing these very spots that, that uh, some of these deeds have taken place, having slept and been in different kibbutz as part of our tour or part of our uh, stay over there, not particularly the ones that were attacked there uh, just north of Gaza. But <clears throat> so as, as I stand here today and as I record some of these things, please understand that there is a little bit of passion in me and when it comes to this subject, and I don't want to swerve from the whole premise of this, uh, of what I'm doing here, what I feel like the Lord has called me to do, that the 24-minute Bible is not here uh, as a podcast to promote necessarily any philosophy other than the fact that the Word of God is the Word of God. It holds together. It's truth. It is more predictive now than it was 50 years ago, at least from our ability to understand it, because we are seeing all the players mentioned in Daniel and Revelation and Ezekiel and, and so many other places in the Old and New Testament. We are seeing those things coalesce and come together in such a way that, that I, I read, I watch, uh, even uh, basically nominal Christians are now saying, this could be it. I mean, something's happening and maybe the Lord's coming back. I certainly uh, would jump on that bandwagon as well <clears throat> with a little bit of caution because we've been in difficult situations before. <clears throat> but I, I would say to you that God's history is unfolding and the Bible is the roadmap. And if you want to know how to get from point A to point B, and that's been the whole premise uh, of this podcast, of, this, of these so many episodes, is just to help you realize, hopefully convince you in one sense that as you investigate the Bible, you understand that it's a living book. It's not dead. It's alive and active. And the very words that uh, are on those pages, according to the scripture, the Bible's own reference, they are God-breathed. So therefore, they have prophetic and uh, deep, profound consequences upon us as we read them, not just to change us, not just to, quote, save us and get us to heaven. And that certainly is a large part of why God gave us this amazing book. 
but it's also to help us understand what's coming in the days of head, uh, days of he ahead for us, and how we can be a part of that process to heal, to hold firm to the faith, to beckon to those who are far away to come near, because God is indeed getting ready to come near to His planet. So sorry for that four-minute tirade, but I just wanted to start off letting you know that, that there's going to be some passion today and, and some uh, volume, perhaps, as we go into this subject, should Christians get involved in politics. Let me just do a real quick review. If you didn't listen to episode 142, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, started off simply asking the question, did Jesus get involved in politics? And I gave you the my thought, unquestionably, Yes, in so many ways. Uh, Matthew 23, as he spoke with the politicians of his day, who were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, he was basically a political prisoner when he was turned over to, first of all, the chief politician, Pontius Pilate, who was the governor of Judea, where Jesus was. But Jesus was also a Galilean, so he went before Herod, who was the Tetrarch, or the, the ruler over the Galilee area, he certainly got caught in a crossfire between the politicians and the religious leaders who were, in fact, nothing much more than politicians. So did Jesus get involved or did he just lay down, lay, lay low and hunker down and say, I can't get my hands dirty and I'm not going to speak? Um, my friend, if you read the, the, the Gospels, I, I, find, I think you'll find that Jesus uh, very much spoke out against the power that was corrupting his society. And that had much to do with politics. So that was where we began. We looked at some others who were involved in the political realm, certainly Daniel, uh, Elijah, as he spoke to Ahab, and Isaiah, as he spoke to King Hezekiah, Jeremiah, uh, ended up in prison because of his political views, and ultimately uh, King Zedekiah, and he had, had some head-to-head heart-to-heart moments uh, <clears throat> as Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian ruler, was about to destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple that had been in existence for almost 400 years. Even referenced John the Baptist, who literally lost his head because of politics. So as we talk about the political realm here, I want you to understand in part two, I'm not trying to convince you to any certain political ideology. I'm going to share some of mine a little as we walk through this. I can't help but that. We all have opinions. You have opinions. I have opinions. There's nothing wrong with that. What was wrong is when we hold to those opinions rather than looking for the truth. And the truth is really what we should seek. And if you're a seeker of truth, I believe God will lead you to the right persuasions in certain areas of your life that have to do with politics. America is very much embroiled in politics. We always have been from the very beginning. I mean, the Declaration of Independence was a political document. The Constitution, which I will uh, reference uh, here in, in more fullness in just a few moments, was very much a political document. So I, I just don't think as Christians <clears throat> that we can help but get some of the political manure on our hands as we uh, live in this society. Don't see that as a bad thing. In fact, I would encourage you to see it as a good thing. Look, as I've said, and I'll continue to say uh, throughout uh, as we get to the closing parts of, of this podcast, uh, if Christians don't get involved, get involved 
in the decision-making processes of our country and our world, somebody else will. And they will be making decisions for you and for your children. They'll be making decisions about what you can own and how far you can go and will you take that shot or not and what will be going on with your children and what will they learn and what parental rights do you have. And if I want to teach you in my school, my public school run by the government, if I want to teach anti-Christian or anti-biblical themes, which is going on, of course, right now in a major, major way in our country, particularly in the sexual area, and they're saying that parents don't have any rights. Well, if you're ready to surrender those rights, then have at it. But I am not willing to do so. And so I want to encourage you to recognize that I believe, I believe, Mark Miner believes, it is a godly thing to engage and interact in the affairs of our government. In fact, we are one of the few countries in all the world that has the privilege to do that. I closed out last time simply talking about the uniqueness of America. You see, we don't have a king. We don't have a queen. We don't have a dictator. Uh, we, we don't have uh, an oligarchy, a certain group of people that are ruling. We may say that the rich, the wealthy, uh, rule over us. And that's some, to some extent correct because they are in the political office. But we have a mechanism called the vote. And we have a country that is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And so I would remind you, this is where we left it off last time, uh, the Constitution of the United States, which provides for us who is ruling in this country. It begins, we the people. You see, my friend, when we read some of the things, particularly in the, no, in the New Testament, about uh, <clears throat> obeying the government and uh, the king because they bear the sword and some things like that, submit to the authorities. I, I certainly agree with God's word, but we must understand in America, we don't have a dictator. We don't have a king. The authority in America is you. We, the people more so than any country that has ever been in existence on the planet, we have the opportunity, the God-given privilege, to do what the Constitution of the United States, in my opinion, uh, probably the greatest, along with the Declaration of Independence, the greatest document ever authored by human beings, God's Word, of course, being authored by God and far above, superseding, but so much of our Constitution and Declaration comes from Judeo-Christian, Old Testament, New Testament, principles. So we see, as we read, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure peace, domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, our children, to ordain and establish this Constitution powerful words. Should Christians be involved in politics? I would simply encourage you, I would simply say to you, yes, absolutely, yes. Disagree with me if you choose. Provide for me a premise why we should lay back and surrender our rights secured for us and let somebody else lead the way for not only our lives, but for our children's 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 children. 
I've mentioned numerous times I'm not a world traveler, but I have had the privilege of going to some different places. And some visions are just emblazoned in my mind. They're just they're just seared there. And one of them uh, is certainly uh, the time uh, I spent a couple of weeks in China. And I went to Tiananmen Square where there's this huge... Uh, mausoleum of Mao Zedong, who was God and is still God in many ways there in that very communist country. And I went to a place, I tried to figure out where it was to stand there in Tiananmen Square because one of my heroes uh, is an unknown individual, at least to me, who in 1989, when the student rebellion took place, went and stood in front of the tank, knowing that, that he could not stop the tank with a physical force, but the authority that he had with just his courage stopped the tank dead in its tracks. I wanted to find that place in Tiananmen Square, and I think I did. Some years uh, later, I spent uh, a couple, about three weeks in Turkey, a Muslim country, and I was amazed at the crops there. I, I live in a farm area, and I was looking at the crops, and they're so, they were so well-tinted, and, and they were growing and, and looked healthy. And I thought, whoa, this is, this is a very, um, you know, this Muslim country is actually doing very well. I was surprised. And yet we stopped at a lemonade stand, if you will, a little rest stop on the way. The temperature was in the upper 90s. We stopped to get a little drink, and as we were there uh, sipping on our tea and, and uh, just uh, taking a break, I saw a black truck, a big black farm truck pull out, had a black canvas over it. It stopped and it pulled up under a tree in the field uh, across from the stand where I was at. And uh, some men got out of the truck and they went and sat down underneath the tree and began to smoke a cigarette and just do their thing. And all of a sudden, the back flap opened up on this black canvas-wrapped truck. And out of the back came 25 or so Muslim women wearing their burqas and the black uh, all the way to the ground with their face covered. Uh, and at that moment, I realized what was going on because each of the women got in one row of the crops, as you would with a corn or a bean field, and they just began to walk the crops in that 95-degree heat in their black burqas covered from head to toe, picking weeds out of the crops while the men sat there underneath the tree, sipping their tea and just talking casually. I realized then what a blessing it is to live in the United States of America. I could go on, but let's cover these last few things, these last points here for our episode today. Should a Christian get involved in politics? My friend, my, my point for today, point number one for this, this, episode, this part two of the episode <clears throat> is simply this, issues, issues, issues. It's all about the issues. Uh, I, I am for whichever party is supporting what I consider to be the most critical issues of the culture concerning uh, biblical standards. Issues that I believe that not only that, that God is not only interested in, but I believe he has called us to defend. So for me, a Democrat, Republican, a conservative, liberal, I, I definitely always fall on the conservative side in, in the regard of where my belief system is, the way I live my life. But even taking those titles and just tossing them out, I look at everything through the prism, through the eyeglasses of the Bible. 
And it doesn't matter if it offends me or goes against what I was raised or my belief system. God's word for me, God's word rules. And if there's a conflict, I'm going to err on the side of biblical truth, even if it goes against my cultural beliefs. Because I believe, I stand firm on the idea that it truly is all about the issue. So what are some of those issues, you might say, Mark? Well, number one, uh, easily easy for me to define, and that's the pro-life issue. I believe that life begins at conception. I think the Bible informs us of that. Way before there were ultrasounds and before we had all the medical technology, God's Word has very much defined, not only in the laws given in the Old Testament, but even the prophetic words in Psalms 139 and God's Word to Jeremiah when he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and appointed you to be a prophet for the nations. God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah was Jeremiah. I believe that just speaks to the fact that, that life begins at conception. Certainly God's pre-knowledge begins of us way before that, but life begins at conception. So I always vote pro-life. That is an issue that is most critical to me. Uh, a second issue for me, and as I form my political viewpoint, is the idea of marriage and family. We see today from all so many forces, so many sides, people trying to uh, redefine marriage. Most of you are aware that in 2015, in June, by a five to four decision, uh, Oberfeld versus Hodges, uh, the Supreme Court legislated that homosexual marriage was actually marriage. In fact, for the first time in 6,000 years of human history, they took a word and redefined it because marriage has always been between a man and a woman. But five of those Supreme Court justices decided to change the definition. They may have changed the definition, but God did not. And I have not either, in my opinion. And so I am very strong for marriage and family issues because I believe that the heart of our country, of any culture, is biblical marriage. And it's on all sides of biblical marriage. As we uh, face the, the difficulties with divorce or with cohabitation and some things that are, that are not of God, not God's heart or desire, uh, I always recognize that God, the first thing he did, was created man, and then he fashioned the woman, the Bible says. He put the two of them together. He performed the first marriage ceremony, and he made a family, and he told them to go forth and multiply, have children, and enjoy all that he had given to them before they so blatantly and flippantly gave it away. But marriage is at the heart of, of things in this society. So I vote, pre, I vote for those candidates and those issues that are biblically aligned with what I consider family and biblical marriage. A third issue for me that is critical, uh, and that's the idea of freedom. I know we toss around freedom like just a, a little uh, byproduct or word. We, we don't understand it in America because if you've never not been free, uh, we've always been free to do, to travel, to be, and, and how dare you take away my rights. That's the American attitude. Most of the world does not have that privilege. They are under the boots, the foots, the feet, the, the, the 
the, the judgment of their politicians. Again, go to China. You can't walk across the street without the Chinese government watching you, and they actually have social credits now. You, they, you have to uh, uh, submit not only DNA, but they have eye exams or where they can uh, identify you, facial recognition with the new software, iris recognition. In so many ways, they know who you are, they know where you're at, they know everything you're doing, and they punish you for not doing what the government says. There's no freedom in, in just about any respect in China. We've never been there, done that. We are so free if you're living in America. And because of that, it's hard for us to understand uh, the true depths of this precious, precious gift that has been given to us by God through the sacrifice, the wisdom, the political uh, ingenuity of our forefathers. For example, as we think about the Constitution, uh, the, the First Amendment gives us the right to religion, the right to speech, the right to, to press, to read what we want, the right to assembly, the right to petition. Those are all part of the First Amendment. Uh, and only in America will you truly find religious freedom. You can be a Muslim, and that's the beauty of America. You can be Baha'i. You can be Hindu. You can be none of the above. You can certainly be an atheist. You can, you can run the gamut of, of the religious um, ideas out there, and as far as your American freedom, that's not going to be hindered. You are free to worship as you see fit. You might say, well, Mark, there's limits, and there are limits. Human sacrifice is not going to be allowed um, in, in, certain, in our society and other things that, that have to do with some of those life issues, but uh, the First Amendment gives us the freedom of speech, religion, and so many wonderful things. Uh, that, that was secured for us through politics and through men and women who, who understood what it was like to not have those things. Uh, obviously, you know most of the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment, the, the right to bear arms. Uh, that's a gift, my friend. You may be anti-gun, and that's fine. Don't own a gun. But I'm telling you, when, when you have, the, have to protect yourself, we have the right to do so. Most countries do not. There's so many others. Quartering of troops, you may think that is an uh, antiquated sort of a, uh, the Third Amendment. But uh, my friends, right now, even in some of our cities, our sanctuary cities, I'm going to get personal here a little bit, but bringing in the illegal immigrants, moving them to sanctuary cities, a la Chicago, San Francisco, New York City, other places, they're already discussing forcing churches, institutions, and trust me, at some point in time, homes to take these individuals into their homes. That's no different than what the Constitution talked about quartering or having to take care of troops or people that the government said you had to take care of. In other words, your freedom and to your privacy and to your own uh, domicile, your home, could be easily taken away uh, in some places. So, so many other things uh, that, that we could talk about here. Cruel and unusual punishment, the right to a counsel, the right to a jury trial. Those are things that we take for granted that most of the world does not know. I would mention also financial issues. Uh, spending is the clearest indicator of the compassion, the belief, the values and philosophies of a country. You know, government is the only business that doesn't produce a thing. Government doesn't produce, it takes. 
from us. It uses our tax dollars to do things. Now, the United States government, state governments, local governments, I'm on a school board. I'm part of, so in part of my purview as a school board, yes, we tax our local citizens and we are charged with the duty of educating their children. And if they don't like, if the public doesn't like the way that it is taking place, they can run for office and they can throw the rascals out. And that happens all the time. And it's a wonderful thing because we have the freedom to do so. You know, the, our taxes can do good things. Uh, we can build roads and bridges. We can educate our kids, of course, and, and certainly the national fence. But there are other things that our tax dollars go to that violate my conscience. And I tell my, excuse me, I tell my congressmen and my leaders all of the time, do not take away my freedom. Do not violate my conscience by doing certain things. For example, here in Illinois, uh, we are inviting people to come from other states because we are a pro-abortion state. And other states, uh, especially with the Supreme Court decision of recent days, uh, have hindered or lessened the, the opportunity for abortion, but not here in my state. They're inviting people, and my tax dollars are going to take the lives of unborn children. I will fight against that with everything I am worth because it violates my conscience. So my point is the money in, and the way we spend our money, uh, it is an issue of freedom, and it's a big issue to me. I think government is too large, too obtrusive, uh, too dictatorial. I believe that it is God's plan for us to rule our own lives according to a, a good conscience, according to a godly conscience. That's not always the case in everybody's life, but I believe that was the intent, certainly the intent of the Constitution. You may say, well, what did Jesus do? Well, my friends, you can find through the Scripture, through the Gospel, Jesus paid taxes. He owned a business, for he was a carpenter there in Nazareth, a well-known carpenter, I might add, taking over the business from his stepfather, Joseph. So uh, he had to pay taxes and perhaps licensure and things like that. But he also made comments concerning the offerings. He also addressed the corruption of his government and the things that he felt like the government was doing wrongly. I would just simply say you should too. So I vote my belief on the issue of spending for those tax dollars are not the government's, they're yours. And you should have the decision to decide how that money is spent. So should a Christian be involved in government? <laughs> I think you know my heart here. Let me give you some practical advice, three quick points as we close out here. Uh, point number one, know what is going on. Keep yourself informed. And that does not mean watching the channel, the, the nightly news. My friends, we have no true source of information right now. Everybody has an opinion. You're going to have to get a lot of sources. And you're going to have to recognize where they come from. There's conservative, there's liberals, there's those who would, uh, who would not only dissuade you, but who would lie to you in many ways, hide facts from you. It's going to take a lot of godly wisdom and, and integrity to really get at the truth, but inform yourself. Number two, get involved at any level especially if you're a citizen here in the United States of America. Uh, <clears throat> you have the right to go to meetings. That's a public meeting act. Allows you to go to those meetings. Force your way in. Do not allow anybody to keep you out of those meetings. Make phone calls. Encourage voting. Voice your thoughts 
and show up and have your authority. Uh, just a few people can change. I've seen it in school board meetings and other public meetings where they thought they were going to slide something through and all of a sudden 20 or 30 or 2,000 people show up and I can tell you those politicians run for cover like so many rats because they're afraid because they want to do, oftentimes, not all, but they want to do some things uh, quietly and in the cover of darkness. Do not allow that to happen. Shine the light every chance you can. You have a right and you have a duty. It is, after all, your children's future that these individuals and groups are playing with. And trust me, I think you know what I'm saying here. Uh, they want to play with your, troop, your, with your children. Whoever controls the children and their minds and their values controls the next generation and controls the country. Stand firm there. Thirdly and lastly here, uh, run for office. Be a decision maker. Get involved. Somebody is going to be sitting in that seat. It might as well be you. You certainly have something, particularly if you're a believer, you have something to bring. You have a moral base that so many don't. You're not in it, I hope, for the money or the popularity or the power. You're in it because you recognize the gift of freedom that has been given to you by God, especially if you're an American. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week. take a stand, even violence sometimes. Expect it. Understand it's a part of the cost of freedom. Your Christian beliefs are to some an affront and a threat. That's okay. They were in Jesus' day. They will have been all through the last 2,000 years of human history. Do not stand back. I would encourage you very much to get involved. John Adams, the second president of the United States, said this about our Constitution. I think it still stands true today, and I think it speaks to some of the difficulties that we're seeing even in our country. But this quote is from John Adams. He says, Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So, what Mr. Adams, President Adams, was saying is that this Constitution was built on religious principles with the expectation that godly men and women would get involved and be a part of the governing of this blessed and amazing country. I would encourage you to get involved and to be a part of the answer, not the problem. Thank you so much. Next week, going to begin a five-part series on the whole issue of the Middle East. We're going to look at different aspects, 
where we came from, what the Bible says about it, how we got to the place where we're at now with Israel, uh, even the whole idea of the Middle East. Where did that term come from? How did the countries get formed that we currently see that are literally in, in many ways at war, even as I speak right now? So we're going to, I'm going to try to explain that to you in a very simple, uh, biblical, and understandable way. Hope and trust that you will listen in next week. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast.